0: Hello and welcome to Broken Vessels Mended by God podcast. My name is Ruth Douthit and I'm a teacher of God's Word and I started this podcast to share my insights as I study God's Word with you, those who listen and want to learn more about what God says in His Word. And in this study we are looking at Psalm 37, to take delight in the Lord in this beautiful psalm is so rich, so full of insights for us to glean and apply to our lives today. It truly is amazing. We are going to look in lesson 3 further into Psalm 37. Last time we looked at trust. The first column that holds up the theme of Psalm 37 which is delight in the Lord. Remember I'm using the Roman ruins as an illustration. So imagine in your mind a building that has columns holding up the roof and the roof is delight in the Lord and each of the columns are holding up that theme of Psalm 37 the light in the Lord so last time one of the columns we looked at was trust this time we are looking at commit we concluded last time that we can trust in God who has proven to be trustworthy in this lesson, we will look at how trust is necessary in order to commit our way to the Lord. But we will also look at what is meant by commit in these verses in Psalm 37. Justice The Hebrew word for justice used in Psalm 37:6 means judgment or a sentence. It is a legal term. It's interesting how so many, including myself, have read that verse to mean that God will enact justice on our enemies for us. But what if it means that he will enact our judgment and sentence us as well? We believers tend to want justice only when it is on those who have wronged us. But when it comes to justice for our sins we have committed, then we cry out, Mercy! Isn't it a good thing that our God is just? He is pure in His righteousness. His ways are perfect. I've been in a courtroom as a bailiff and saw justice served, but even then, our system in America, as fantastic as it is, is flawed, and sometimes an innocent person does go to prison, or a guilty person is found not guilty and acquitted. But God's ways are perfect. His justice is perfect. So we can trust Him, we can commit to Him, and we can rely on Him to enact perfect justice on our enemies and on us. Psalm 37, verses 5 through 6. Commit your way to the Lord trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. If you look up the word commit on the internet, you'll see that common definitions relate more to exercise, dieting, succeeding in business, or accomplishing your goals. Very common definitions indeed. What does it mean to commit? you. What do you think commit means to God? In Proverbs 16.3 it says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. The Hebrew word for commit used in Psalm 37 and Proverbs 16 is Galal, and it means to remove, roll, roll away, roll down, roll together, wallow, trust. Is this definition of commit used in Psalm 37 what you thought it would be? Does the definition provide a word picture for you? I admit I was a little surprised by the Hebrew word David used here. So in Psalm 37 verses 5 through 6 when he said commit your way to the Lord he meant remove, roll, roll away everything, roll together, everything, trust, everything, to the lord what picture do you think david was trying to create by using his word galal here matthew henry and other commentaries suggest david is saying roll your cares your concerns your typical ways to the lord and trust in him and he will act hundreds of years later the prophet habakkuk had the same concerns that the people had during David's reign. They were crying out, and so Habakkuk cried out to the Lord. He said in Habakkuk 1, 1 1-4, So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so judgment goes forth perverted. Do we have the same concerns today? Aren't we always crying out for justice to be served on those who harm Christians or Jewish people all over the world? Delighting in the Lord requires trust. We looked at that in Lessons 1 and 2. Now we learn that committing to the Lord also requires trust. Have you committed, rolled everything to God? How have you committed everything or rolled everything to the Lord? We are told in Scripture to trust God through the good times and the bad times. We are told in Psalm 55 to cast your burdens to Him. We're told in Proverbs 16 that God will establish your thoughts if you cast everything over to Him. And in 1 Peter 5 we're told to cast your cares to Him because God cares for you. David instructed God's people to cast or roll away everything to God, including their sinful ways and he told them to turn to God's perfect way instead. Did he instruct the people this way in earlier Psalms? What about us? Do we roll our ways toward God or towards something else? Remember why King David wrote this proclamation to the people. They were being tempted to join the enemy or to go after the enemy. They craved justice. So King David told them to commit their way to the Lord. Has your idea of the word commit changed now that you have read what David meant when he said commit your way to the Lord? Compare and contrast. As a teacher, one of the ways I want to check if our students are learning a concept is to have them compare and contrast something. King David definitely used this form of analysis to teach God's people a powerful lesson. Remember, they were comparing their lives to the lives of the wicked all around them, to those who prospered despite their wicked ways. God's people began to envy the prosperity of the wicked. Some were even abandoning God's perfect way for the ways of the wicked. Does that sound like something God's people still struggle with today? Now let's compare and contrast between what lies ahead for the wicked and the righteous. King David in Psalm 37 says, The wicked will be cut down and wither. The Lord laughs at them. The wicked bring wicked schemes to pass, and they will be no more. They draw the sword and bend their bow against the righteous. They plot against the righteous. They gnash at them with their teeth they cast down the poor and needy, and they slay the upright. But their sword shall enter their own hearts, and their bows will be broken, and their arms shall be broken, and they shall perish. They will be consumed in smoke, they shall vanish, borrow, the offspring of the wicked shall be cut off. They seek to put the righteous to death, but they will be destroyed and cut off. The righteous dwells in the land, feeds on God's faithfulness. They shall be fed. They will receive desires and secret petitions of the heart. God will bring ways to pass. They shall inherit the earth. They shall delight in abundance of peace. The Lord upholds the righteous. The heritage of the righteous abides forever. The righteous shall not be put to shame. They will be satisfied in the days of famine. The righteous will be blessed by God. God establishes and directs their steps. They are not utterly cast down. The Lord grasps his hand. The Lord supports and upholds the righteous. The righteous are not forsaken. They never are begging for bread. They are merciful. They lend. Their offspring are blessed. They dwell forever securely. The righteous dwell in the land forever. The righteous speak justice. Law of God is in the righteous heart. No steps shall slide. The steps of the righteous are ordered. The Lord saves the righteous from the wicked. The Lord helps them and delivers them. The Lord saves them. After comparing and contrasting between the two futures, uh, why would we ever want what the wicked have? Because we go by sight and not by faith. Psalm 40, verse 4 says, Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. And learn from what happened to God's people. We need to keep your eyes on Christ. In Colossians 3, Paul wrote, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Life application. Psalm 37, 5 through 6. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Remember, God's Word is the foundation of our faith. How do we apply all that we have learned so far about the word commit? Committing our ways to the Lord requires trust in the Lord. Giving and trusting, rolling away all our cares to Him, to the unseen God, requires trust, doesn't it? Look back on your own life. When have you entrusted your cares to the Lord? And how did He come through for you? I know I can look back over my life and see God's hand of protection over me. He protected me from myself, from the world, from the evil one he has proven to be faithful so why wouldn't i commit my ways to him being a christian requires action doesn't it we are to be active and not passive jesus was very active and we are to imitate him look at all the action verbs david used in psalm 37 rest trust commit cease show mercy delight depart evil speak wisdom wait mark. To apply all of these to our lives cannot be done, though, without the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote in Romans 5, Now hope does not disappoint because love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So we're not alone. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not alone in our cries to God. In Habakkuk 2.4 it says how we are to live. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. During the time of Habakkuk, the Babylonians were near, and they were fierce opponents of God's people. Habakkuk cried out to God in confusion and frustration. God's people had forgotten his promises and his faithfulness, and they lived in fear. But Habakkuk remembered the covenant promises of God. He trusted in his sovereign God so should we. God provides for us, we learn in Isaiah 61, verse 10. As believers, it is easy to succumb to fear, envy, covetousness toward the wicked, right? But we must never forget the covenant promises of God, and we must always remember that He is faithful. It's a promise He swore on His own deity We learn this in Hebrews 6, 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. He basically said to Abraham, If I don't fulfill my promise to you, then I am not God. That means God will keep his promise. So never fear. Live in this world according to his righteousness. Stay the course. Trust and commit your way to the Lord. Justice. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. The word for justice here means judgment or sentence. It is a legal term. When we commit our ways to the Lord, he brings forth our righteousness like the light of the dawn, the rising sun, cutting through the darkness of night, and then he brings our judgment or sentences as the noonday. Did David mean that God will judge us or the wicked? Most commentaries suggest David meant the judgment of the wicked that we cry out for will eventually come, and it will come as the noonday sun. Where is the sun at noon? And where are the shadows at noon? In the morning and in the evening are when the shadows are longest. At noon, with the light of the sun directly above us, the shadows are small. It is hard for evil and wickedness to hide from the light of the noonday sun. King David wrote your justice." As the noonday will come. I believe David is reminding God's people that God will judge in the light, and no one can escape that judgment, including us. So we would be wise to commit our ways to the Lord so that we live in the light of righteousness and not the judgment of God. Just like us, we were disobedient and we became obedient by God's mercy. So now others can obtain mercy through our obedience. So we like God's people desire justice. When we are wronged, we cry out for it just like Habakkuk did. But when that judgment is turned on us, we suddenly cry out mercy, don't we? God promises His mercy endures. King David instructed God's people to stay the course, heading in the direction of the blameless man. We will look more into what David meant by the meek, blameless, righteous man. We will also look at what he meant by rest and what it means to wait patiently on the Lord. We'll look at that in our next lesson. In the meantime, ask yourself, what did you learn about God today that challenged or comforted you? And dwell on that. Seek the Lord every day while he may be found. And thank you for joining me today to learn more about Psalm 37. I look forward to our next lesson.